Welcome to the Curious Catholic Podcast, where in each episode we explore more fully the Catholic imagination. We're presently in the middle of a Lenten series devoted to Dante's Divine Comedy, seeing his great poem as a work of spiritual transformation, which is perfect for the season of Lent, and we'll actually have the opportunity to continue with Dante into his paradiso, into his, into his paradise in the Easter season. Uh, this is the second installment of that series. Last time we introduced ourselves to Dante, his comedy in general, and the very beginnings of his Inferno. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that first installment, you can uh, hop out and go take a listen to that before joining us for this one as we move forward. Uh, before we do so, though, I just wanted to say that if uh, in the course of this series uh, you have any questions or thoughts or comments or anything comes to mind that you'd like us to address in a future recording, then uh, please do drop me an email, uh, and we can we can address you know what what you have to pass on uh, again in a, in a future episode. So uh, you can do so just at matt m a t t at curiouscatholicpodcast.com. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, in today's episode, we're actually going to approach approach the gates of hell, uh, one of the more well known and striking moments in the whole of Dante's comedy, and we'll also encounter a group of the souls of the dam that we might refer to as the neutrals. And they're a particularly, um, I don't know, troubling or, or haunting group, um, and, and we'll hear more about them. Uh, on this journey, I'm joined by Paul Camacho, who I'll just say on top of his work as a professor at Villanova University, has just recently started writing a weekly newsletter called On the Exam, which is definitely well worth the read. So you can actually follow a link in, in this episode's show notes and uh, subscribe to that. And it's definitely well worth well worth uh, dropping your email in that box and hitting submit and then uh, getting a wonderful, uh, thought-provoking and enriching newsletter uh, each week. So um, now we turn to uh, more of Dante's Inferno. So, Paul? So should we should Let's we get enter to the into, gates? Yeah. Should we enter to hell? Yeah, it's probably worth reading. These are probably the most famous lines from the from the Divine Comedy. But um, yeah. maybe we'll just maybe we'll read the. This is how Inferno three opens. Through me the way to the city of woe. Through me the way to everlasting pain. Through me the way among the lost. Justice moved my Maker on high. Divine power made me wisdom supreme, and primal love. Before me nothing was but things eternal, and eternal I endure. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. Those are the first nine lines, and then Dante says, these words, dark in hue, I saw inscribed over an archway. And so like Dante, the the poetry itself functions, the verse, to, Mm -hmm. to kind of like enter us into hell with this declamation from um written above these gates um and 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 chilling chilling lines um of course it's, it's very chilling and and not in just like a scholarly way <laughs> it's like right. I, I start i read this i'm like oh man how am i living my life like <laughs> you right. know let's really take stock of of what i love and how i love it and how i fail uh-huh. to <laughs> I don't know. Right. It just—it's visceral. Like I can't not read this and be like, "Ah, man, <laughs> what am I? Am I where I want to be?" Um, it, 
and it's so um it's so palpable too and sensorial right he starts talking about the what, loud wailings the lamentations on the starless air again that, that lack of light and he begins to weep so this being overwhelmed by just the sounds he's not even that's he right. hasn't even seen anything yet that's right um he there's so much that we could say about the way that the poetry the verse itself works um for, for example, he just just the beginning through me, through me, through me, it's really hammering in like you're entering into something now that's eternal and that and and the sense of hopelessness is has to kind of descend on us. Now remember, Dante is writing this for we get to go to hell before we go to hell, right? So Dante is writing this for us to to warn us about this hopeless place, right? Precisely to inspire hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the poem is supposed to function on us the same way it functions on him, the pilgrim, right? To for us to take sock, um, yeah. But then the other thing that's amazing is in 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 those in those later uh, the later lines we what we go what we go into is we go into um, a dark chamber. We're this is really important. We're not in hell yet proper. We we don't immediately go into a circle. We're in the antechamber, or I, I like to tell my students we're in the waiting room. Of, of hell right um all waiting rooms feel a little bit like hell anyway but um uh we're here we're in the um the lobby of hell so to speak and um what is it that meets us this is at line 25 and the italian is it's it's really short it's really guttural um the language itself he says unfamiliar tongues horrendous accents words of suffering cries of rage voices loud and faint the sound of clapping hands these all made a tumult, always whirling in that black and timeless air, right? So we have, we're assaulted with the senses while also being blind, right? It's dark, and yet the, the noises are overwhelming us. Um, and what we learn, our, our first encounter with sinners here, um, Dante does what he's going to do on each one of the levels. He's going to turn to Virgil and say, Master, who are these people, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And Virgil then is going to inform him. Right, um, who it is that he's seeing, and we're supposed Dante the pilgrim and we the readers are supposed to learn something about what's possible for human beings and for ourselves in who it is that we encounter. So Virgil's going to tell us who they are, and then he's going to show us what they suffer, and and this introduces a really crucial idea for Dante, and that's this idea that that Dante coins this term called contrapasso. It's an Italian term that literally means like um, suffering the opposite, um, but it, it actually means something like suffering what is appropriate to you. Um, in hell, each one of the figures are I- that are there are identified by the sin that's most sort of mm, constitutive, the one that they cling the most to, right? And their sufferings are fitted to the punishment is fitted to the crime perfectly both so that they often so that they suffer um how do i put this in such a way as to elucidate to them to dante the pilgrim and to us the reader the real nature of what their sin is so part of the difficulty with sin in this life and dante is highly attuned to right he's an exile for um uh, of injustice for something he didn't commit right is that sin seems to be victorious in this life, right? Doing something wicked, you, the, the wicked um, get away with it and the innocent are punished, right? But so hell is a place where um, sin is revealed for what it really is, 
yeah, um, in its effects and in its kind of internal dispositions. And who is it that Dante has us encounter first? Here's how Virgil describes them. He says, this is um, the miserable state of those wretched souls who lived without disgrace, yet without praise. And then he says, loathe to impair its beauty, heaven casts them out. But depth of hell does not receive them, lest on their account the evil angels gloat. So who is it that he's describing here? Um, we, we could call these people the, the neutrals, right? Mm-hmm. The people who, um, they didn't really commit great sins, so they don't get a spot lower down in hell. Yeah? Um, but they also, they also weren't um, particularly virtuous. They simply went along with the crowd, right. if we can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have the image here. And again, so this externalization, this making physical that which is interior, right? So uh, he sees the crowd uh, chasing a whirling banner, right? They mm-hmm. ran so fast, it seemed as though it could never find rest, right? They're just following whatever the banner is that seems to be out front, I guess, or something like that, right? Um, There's a really interesting interesting way in which, um, as we'll see, the, there's a really thin line between those who are damned in hell and those who are on Mount Purgatory. And the line is not the severity of their sins. There are great sinners in Purgatory who will eventually ascend into heaven, and there are great sinners in the depth of hell. The distance, um, the line between them, as we'll find out in Purgatory, right, is their willingness to ask, even in the slightest um, uh, like end-of-their-life way, for forgiveness. Yeah. The problem with the neutrals, right, is that in a certain sense, they didn't even rise to the dignity of becoming sinners. Mm. Yeah. There's this really interesting way in which um, Dante names everyone. He gives a name to every one of the sinners and all the other levels of hell. More than that, he gives them a place. He gives them a characteristic. He lets them talk to him. He gives them a story. But these neutrals here... They have no place. They're cast out of heaven. They're not even really in hell proper. And their hell is that for their punishment is that for all of eternity, they will have no place, no face, no name. Just like on earth, they didn't take a stand. Um, Not at all. Right. This falling of a whirling banner, I sometimes think it's 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 a banner, but it's a blank banner. Right, anything could be written on it. You're you're doing what everyone else is doing just because they're doing it. Um, He also has a chilling line to me. He says, "The line of these people was so long, I could not believe death had undone so many." I think actually Dante Dante thinks, probably with good reason, that (laughs) the I sometimes ask my students after we read through the Inferno and the Purgatorio where they where they think or worry they might end in the afterlife, mm. according to Dante. And and almost all of them say, I'm, I'm really worried. I'm nervous that I, I'm, I'm not nervous. I'm going to be some great sinner. I'm nervous about being a neutral, right? Yeah, right. About going along with the crowd. And I think Dante here is um, um, calling our attention to that, um, to that fact. Um, yeah. And there's probably a good reason for that fear. And um, just the, the plausibility of it, you know, and, it, it does make me wonder. I, I haven't really tried to put words around this notion that he seems to be expressing, but like the Christian really does take stands. And, you know, I don't, I don't make too much of, you know, people that make the distinction between sort of like niceness and kindness and niceness is sort of like this vapid sort of exterior, um, you know, get along ability <laughs> to, mm-hmm. um, right. with the world. 
uh, as opposed to kindness that has you know real virtue to it. But that seems to be at work to a degree here, and we're just going along with the fashionable causes, and you know we could all name name them, I guess. Um, where yeah, a person's meaning isn't so much derived from the meaning of the cause; it's just sort of being along with the crowd and following a banner that at the present moment seems to be um, approved of. Um, only then maybe to jump to jump into another line. But, we we could just sort of underscore everything we've been saying, and this will introduce a great theme in the in the comedy. Is that um, Dante says these are people who essentially lived loveless lives, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. really had no desire. They really they didn't love anything wrong, and they didn't love anything good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, he says these were wretches who never were alive. Mm. Now, again, the really interesting thing is that Dante here is he's giving them a punishment he's externalizing he's giving imagery to us but he's also naming the hell of living your life this way right right yes. um yes. this is an image of living without living mm-hmm. yeah and in in that sense he's saying we efface ourselves we become anonymous we we we, we don't live real lives we don't have the nobility we don't even have the kind of dignity of rising to the level of loving in a terribly loving ourselves in a terribly wrong way we don't love anything right. Um, we're we're sort of content to go along. Yeah, that's with interesting because so. so much of you know as we go further into hell is going to be not not it's not not loving it's loving the wrong thing or loving the right thing in the wrong way or too intensely or and it, or you know it, it, so that's interesting that you point that out that this is like the one region where it's and because it's loveless it's lacking in of lacking in personality right they've that's lost right. their person. Hood, I guess you could say, to, right. to a degree. Exactly right. Yeah. The human being for Dante is a lover. Right. To to lose that is to be to become inhuman. Um, uh, right. By the way, we should say this is t- totally Dante's invention. Right. Right. <laughs> this space <laughs> yes. for the neutrals. Um, we do have to say that. Yes. <laughs> and yet, it's within the it's within the gates of hell. Um, right. You can see why this would be a kind of hellish um, existence. So it's, it's as usual. It's kind of a weaving together of. Um, poetry theological um innovation that nevertheless accords with right as Mm -hmm. you you mentioned the the from revelation for example and deep psychological insight right right Um, well then we move on from the should we move on to the to the uh, riverside and um, should (laughs) crossing the river and so we get a classical image here of uh i don't even know how you pronounce it charon charon uh, yeah, Charon is. Charon, um, there you go. Third option. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's right. There's a river, um, Acheron. Um, uh, Dante here is following Virgil, who who is following the the Greek sources. Right. That there's a river you cross to get into Hades, into the underworld. Um, in the in the um, this was the crossing into from life into death. Um, here, Acheron and the and the ferryman right who carries you across is taking you into hell there'll be a different river to cross if you're going into um um into purgatory and then into heaven um and here charon functions dante does this really great thing where he takes classical references and he just plops them right into this catholic world worldview right but he makes them into these kind of functionaries 
Charon is the first sort of pagan figure we'll meet who's kind of like a bureaucrat in hell. Um, like his job, right, is to like get you from here to there. That's his job, right? Yeah. Um, and but but along the way, Dante gets to make these really insightful kind of theological comments. So one of them, and this is really crucial. The souls are pictured as standing on the shore, and he's drawing right from from Virgil's um, idea of just like the hordes of souls that are there, and they're they're getting ready to cross the river, and they have to wait for their turn, right? And they're doing two things: they're chattering. He calls them, he says they're naked and desolate. They're they've lost their co- their color, but at the same time, and, and at the same time, they're, they're weeping, right? But they also, he says, they're blaspheming God. Mm-hmm their parents, the human race, the place, the time, the seed of their begetting and their birth. And this is really important because notice that what they're not doing is saying, I did something wrong, or I wish I had acted otherwise. The whole logic of hell, the whole, I should say the whole psychology, the the logic of the souls of those in hell is to um, defer their own responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. To say, to, to blame everyone else except for themselves, right? To not take their own responsibility to curse even to curse their maker, their parents, the human race, where they were born, born when they were born, right? right. Um, instead of their own um, 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 their own sinfulness, which is very much uh, you know the woman made me do it, the serpent yeah. made me do yeah, it. Yeah, so. exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a really good. Um, but but then also there's this really interesting thing that when Charon does call them, they fling themselves like with with a kind of strange eagerness into the boat. Mm-hmm. And where are they heading? Into as 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 Charon says, into eternal chill and flame. Right. So they're not heading anywhere good. And so Dante is puzzled by this. And Virgil says, um, these people here, they are eager to cross the river. This is at line 124. Because the justice of God so spurs them on, their very fear is turned to longing. Now, this underlined, this underscores something else really, really important for us um, for hell. And that is, as dark as things get, as terrible as the punishments will be, and as much as Dante will underscore that this is, in fact, what they justly deserve, there is no one who is here— Right, who has not chosen this for himself or herself? Um, one of the things that we continue to learn about the figures in hell is that they stubborn, stubbornly hold on to you, the thing that they chose that made them to be where they are. And so there's, um, at one and the same time, a horror over the fact that this is what their souls have, so to say, hardened into being for eternity, and at the same time a sort of like unwillingness to let go of what it is that they've chosen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so the damned are clutching on to their own damnation. Um, and, and in fact, there's a mingling of their fear and their kind of um, um, longing to hold on to what it is that they are. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of just, you know, the Augustinian sense of sin is self-sabotage and that, and, you know, maybe in our own, sense of guilt or shame or the emptiness of sin, the desire to have the self no longer exist yet to still twistedly hold on to that, which has gotten us to that point. Um, Right. Yeah. Now there's only one thing that I have to underline unless I sort of like misrepresent Dante or, um, (laughs) or the church's theology. Um, And that is that um, 
after death, there's no chance for these souls to repent. Right. right? And um, now this can seem, in, in one sense, this can seem heartless from Dante or from the church, I suppose. But on the other hand, um, think about it. We, we might think about it in a different way, that Dante actually gives each one of the, the figures we encounter in the afterlife the dignity of taking seriously their choices, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is to say, where you are is a result of your freedom. Right. Yeah. And there can be a kind of like eternal second chances kind of thing that that undermines the the real drama of human existence. Um right? So so there's a the the idea is like death death puts a kind of f- a finality to what it is that we've really chosen. Right. Um yeah. And so there are stakes. There are stakes in life is part of what Dante's saying in the in the divine comedy, I think. Um yeah. Yeah, so I think it's important to make that point. And I also like to keep something of a, um, not an absolute distance, but it's always helpful to keep in mind that Dante doesn't speak for the whole of the Catholic tradition as well. Um, That's right. It's just not that he doesn't, but it's, I would never want to equate them as one and the same. Um, Especially with something like, I mean, something like Limbo, something like the nothings. It's imaginative. It's so rich, but it's not, I wouldn't. want people to get the impression that it's all one and the same or Dante is trying to make every little detail coincide with explicit Catholic doctrine. So, yeah. Um, Dante as uh, a singular individual, a a, a towering imaginative figure, right. But as a singular individual, um, he, he, part of the, part of the power of Dante's poetry and imagery is that he constructs such a world that is it's so richly detailed and imaginative and seems so true to our own psychology that we um it's it's as if we were there with him and and in fact and it also i i there's this really great line about the comedy um it's that the fiction of the comedy is that it's not a fiction <laughs> and so dante will continually play with us and he'll say you know, these other poets like Virgil, or he doesn't actually say it of Virgil, but he says it of others, right? They made up these things about the afterlife, but I've been there and seen it, and I'm telling you what I saw right now, mm-hmm. while at the same time kind of winking at us at his artistry in creating this world, right? right. So we, I think we have to say something like this. Dante's not representing the church's doctrine, but Dante's imaginative vision of the afterlife is one beautiful, incredible way um of bringing to life um um the the heart of that vision um in in a way that is meant to evoke both hell um in its horror and also the forgiveness and mercy um in in purgatory and also the beauty of heaven and in 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 all three ways he falls short but he does so sort of spectacularly right oh, yeah. um so, yeah, it's good. It's it's evoke is evocative. It's imaginative, and that speaks to us. You know, I'll speak for myself. Speaks to me in ways that you know, as good as the Summa Theologiae is, it's never going to get me to the points or move me in the same ways that the comedy can. So, Dante is theology written into poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that risks something um, because poetry has to be 
concrete particular um um it has to it has to dwell on his own experiences in order to be universal mm-hmm. so he's making a theological argument poetically and we yeah. have to read it as such uh right. yeah it's, it's great it's phenomenal this is no wonder they <laughs> added the uh, the adjective divine to it uh, later that's on. right <laughs> so i guess yep. next time we'll, we'll look at the uh the lustful in canto five which is you know of all the cantos in inferno maybe one of the more well-known and then make our way uh, eventually up the devil's back that's um, right <laughs> and on the mount Purgatory. but first we have to descend all the way down uh mm-hmm. that's right and see tighter and tighter. yeah and see what it is that evil really is when it's unmasked um so that's where we'll go next time thanks for joining us for this portion of our lenten journey through dante's divine comedy again if anything comes to mind questions comments thoughts that you want to communicate to us uh you can do so just by drop me drop me an email at matt m-a-t-t at curious catholic podcast.com again we'd love to hear from you and incorporate any thoughts you might have into a future recording our next episode will uh, will find us continuing downward into Dante's hell. Uh, so we'll continue that trek downward into the more and more suffocating and uh, uh, sort of tightening uh, space of Dante's Inferno until we hit uh, the frozen sea of self-isolation and self-chosen exile from God. And so we'll, we'll journey all the way downward in, the, in that next episode. Uh, all this before we're ready to start uh, the upward ascent of Mount Purgatory. So a lot to look forward to uh, in, in our movement downward and, and then upward toward, toward hope and eventually paradise. So looking forward to you joining us for that, for that next episode. Until then, though, let's continue journeying further up and further in.